Welcome to Bite the Orange. Through our conversations, we create a roadmap for the future of health with the most impactful leaders in the space. This is your host, Dr. Manny Fumble. Let's make the future of healthcare a reality together. Thanks everyone for taking uh, the day or night of today to listen to this great conversation. Today we have a wonderful uh, guest and her name is Gretchen Shanovsky. Did I say that correctly? Yes, that's correct. Excellent. Perfect. So uh, why don't you tell us about yourself? I have spent uh, really my entire career working in healthcare, focusing on vulnerable populations. My canned joke is that I've had every job you can have in the healthcare delivery system without a license. So I've never been a clinician or an actuary, but I have really done every aspect of healthcare operations from customer service, claims, regulatory provider network management. I have a special interest in population health and also 12 years of experience at United Healthcare in their uh, group retiree division, helping to manage their portfolio of Medicare products for large employers. Uh, That's fantastic because I do believe as a clinician that uh, teamwork makes the dream work, (laughs) right? So... (laughs) Right. So we we do definitely, I think uh, your role is just as important as is a clinician, anyone else in healthcare. Right. And I'm a big advocate for value-based healthcare and value-based healthcare is driven mostly by payers. Right. Because who owns a checkbook determines what happens. Right. Who pays for it? Basically, that's, that's what it comes down to. I am particularly interested in your experience from a population health perspective. First of all, how, how do you define population health? Well, population health is really about marrying kind of that public and private sphere. And I would say also it is about addressing determinants of health in a proactive way, whereas our healthcare delivery system is really designed to be reactive, uh, waiting for people to show up in the doctor's office before we really do anything. This is about trying to understand the health status of a person, their social determinants of health, and how how kind of the entire population can benefit from interventions and thinking about uh, risk strata within that population and then identifying strategies for each risk strata within your population. Which is also very interesting. And this is, uh, and that's why I was looking forward to our conversation because I think it's a very unique perspective coming from the payer side, right? So coming from that insurance side, what is most important to the payer? Well, I think it's interesting, uh, you know, actuaries know that a very small percentage of patients spend most of the money on claims. Most expensive patients are going in and out of the emergency room, in and out of the hospital. They have very complex needs. And if you look at pyramid of who is uh, spending the most money, you have a very small percentage spending roughly half of the dollars in Medicare, like the top two, three, four percent are spending about 50 percent of the dollars that go towards healthcare services in the Medicare population. At the bottom of the pyramid, the healthiest people, so the, the bottom half of your pyramid, is really only spending 10 to 12, maybe 15 percent of the total Medicare dollars. And then where the biggest area of opportunity is, are those people in between. So we call those the rising risk population. So these are people 
who might have a chronic condition or two, or or perhaps they are skirting, uh, you know, prediabetes or some of these other conditions that may lead them into the high risk category. But the idea is that you can alter the trajectory of their healthcare pathway by intervening early enough before the one or two chronic conditions become eight chronic conditions that require a lot of money and supports to keep the patient going. And that's great insights. And just to add to that, so we mentioned Medicare, people that understand what Medicare is, right? Or you guys in the US, you don't understand uh, the market. So Medicare is more for elderly, correct? So I, usually when I, was, I remember in medical school, the E, the elderly. Medicare is for people who are uh, 65 and older or who qualify because they have a disability. So it could be for a younger population. If you become fully disabled, there's a two-year waiting period, and then you can become eligible for Medicare. It also, there's a few few different criteria depending on your work history in addition, but generally everyone who has uh, qualified for Social Security benefits, there's people pay into Medicare when they work you're over 65 and a citizen of the United States and you become eligible for Medicare when you turn 65. And what about Medicaid? Medicaid is for people who are low income. These are uh, state administered programs and each state has different criteria and different benefits for people in Medicaid. And those are often administered even at a county level. In California, where I live, the county, each each county has a different approach to how they administer Medicaid benefits. And then there are also people who are dual eligible, so they qualify for Medicare and Medicaid. And in those cases, Medicare is primary and Medicaid is secondary. Got you. That's a very good insights, I guess, for our listeners. And there's something I found interesting, I mean, doing research on your background, about some of the first that you've been involved in, right? Uh, for example, uh, you know, we're involved in the first national PPO Medicare Advantage Plan, the first rollout of the virtual visits for the Medicare population, first house calls, visit programs, the first population health, a member rewards initiatives, among many other firsts, which is very difficult to come across in the healthcare ecosystem, <laughs> right, in general. So do you think from the payer side that the payers are more proactively involved in innovation compared to, let's say, health systems or life science companies or any other stakeholders in the industry? I think there's a lot of innovation happening all over the place. And it's certainly a complex world out there with a lot of stakeholders. And I've seen a lot of approaches to kind of healing the healthcare system. Some of them focus on the provider side. So like value-based care that you mentioned, that's really about aligning incentives for the provider, whether it's the, the physician, the hospital, the integrated delivery system, depending on where you are in the country, there's different types of relationships. Um, there are other innovations that are happening really around member engagement. So trying to get people to be more active in their own healthcare journey and taking care of their own health. And then I've seen some that are, are combining that. I think the locus of care is changing quite significantly to the home, especially in these COVID days. You've got a much higher utilization of telehealth type of services. And then I would also highlight that there's a big explosion in the mental health care space of uh, trying to address social isolation and mental health care issues, Alzheimer's, et cetera, in the Medicare population as well. That's very interesting. And just to follow up on, on that piece, being the first in rolling out some of the solutions, I know COVID uh, with the pandemic, I think 
people had no choice, kind of. So telemedicine, luckily, was there, and you have remote patient monitoring that kind of fit what the market looked like. And even today, I hear people asking questions like, are we going to go back to the old days, like, which makes no sense because I think everyone has realized how convenient <laughs> it is to have telemedicine, right? Like I'm in New York, you're in California right now, and we could have a conversation, right? And I think that makes it more feasible uh, for us to adapt. So what were some of the challenges that you faced, you know, being rolling out some of this first first innovation yeah. out in the market? Well, I think that just the technology itself can be a challenge. Anyone who's been on a Zoom call knows how frustrating it is to have lags. Uh, people are on mute and they don't realize it. The camera doesn't work. There are a lot of seniors that aren't really familiar with using that technology. They may not be paying for internet access in their home, or it, there may be just a barrier to them being able to afford that monthly bill. And so just having access to a tablet or some other device that is internet connected, enabled, having technology that's simple enough for a senior to use. Some seniors are very sophisticated in their use of technology. Others are newer adopters. So being able to make sure that everyone has equal access is definitely a concern, especially as you're offering different cost sharing for telehealth versus an in-person visit. You want everyone to be able to access those telehealth benefits. And so health plans think about how to enable that and all the ways that things go wrong. If you've got a scheduled call, you want both people to be able to fully participate in that call. So clearly, Gretchen, you have a wealth of knowledge and expertise. And in my day-to-day -day, you know, work, as I engage with a lot of early stage entrepreneurs and startups, one of the biggest challenges they have is how to engage with a payer, uh, right? And how do they sell your services to a payer? What exactly is the payer looking for in their solution? And so what is your current role right now? I know you're an independent consultant. What are some of the services that you provide right now? And, and what are some of the clients that you have in terms of not necessarily names, but some of the services and benefits that you can provide to some of, this, uh, to some of our audience? Sure. So I have like say an independent consulting role. I work with a whole array of companies. Some of them are digitally focused, trying to develop requirements for products that they hope that health plans will be interested in purchasing, trying to help prove out ROI, return on investment. What's the actuarial model of this benefit? How might we price it? What are the features and benefits that we offer that health plans may be interested in? How can we articulate our message in a way that is going to attract the kinds of sales that we're looking to get? I also work with health plans, helping them to select services that they may be looking for to solve particular problems. And so I have a number of relationships with folks at different health plans, helping them to find people who uh, can help solve problems for them. Excellent. So if you were an early stage startup and you want to, let's say, sell your solution to uh, a payer, what do you need to have? Do you need to have some kind of evidence or do you, do you just need a great slide deck and a great idea? I think many of the solutions that i've seen are very niche they solve sort of a very narrow problem and some of these problems that they are solving are problems that maybe the payer is not aware that they should be paying attention to and so uh what, some of the advice i often am giving out is that sometimes you have to sell your problem before you sell the solution to that problem i think sometimes companies can be a little bit more effective explaining why this problem needs money thrown at it to uh, solve. 
So that's definitely my first piece of advice. How do uh, insurance companies go about identifying solutions? Is it random? Is it, is it like a, a, a process? Or how do you go about identifying solutions yourself? Um, like I say, I think it's really having a deep understanding of what exactly are we trying to solve? What have we tried in the past that has or has not worked? Uh, and why didn't that work? Or what might we have looked at that we didn't at that time? What are the array of solutions in the marketplace today? What's kind of the high expensive with all the bells and whistles solution? What's the minimum viable product, cheapest possible solution? And then what's sort of in the middle? And how does that relate to what I already have in place? So if, for example, I know that I'm really strong in telephonic solutions, but maybe not so strong with my app or digital solutions, then that might be an area where I'm thinking, oh, well, I need to make more investment here, but I want to make sure that I'm not degrading what I already have in place. So those are some of the thought processes. And then also, as you're thinking about the benefits, what is this solution going to get me in terms of improving retention of my members or reducing churn, uh, reducing complaints, also avoiding unnecessary care, like emergency room visits and hospitalizations, closing gaps in care and achieving quality metrics is always first uh, and foremost, as well as consumer assessments of the health plan services. So the CAP survey, which is basically member satisfaction and their perception of the quality of the care that they're receiving. Excellent. So what would you say as we wrap up here, uh, what do you think healthcare will look like in the next five years from now? I think it's going to be more personalized. People have really complex health needs. And when you get, I think historically, the health plans have had care pathways for kind of large diagnoses, like here's our diabetes solution, here's our heart failure solution, here's our solution for people with cancer or people with ESRD. And I think as we get more sophisticated, the algorithms will be able to use more data. So not just claims data, but lab data, electronic health record data, publicly available demographic information, social vulnerability index. There's a whole lot of data points that I think will become more integrated and uh, will develop a more personalized experience uh, in terms of being able to determine care pathways for individuals. And then aligning benefits that meet the needs of those individuals, whether that's in the form of rewards and incentives or care programs, disease case management programs, or even formularies and authorizations. And of course, all this will be driven by reimbursement. So do, do you are you bullish on the idea that payers, I know CMS has done a great job, you know, in terms of reimbursements for remote patient monitoring kind of solutions, which actually have made the industry actually spark and grow more. Same in telemedicine. So do you see a, that trend continuing down the road? I definitely do. I think, um, you know, the pendulum swings back and forth in the value-based care world. There's a whole spectrum of solutions from, you know, fully capitated delegated systems all the way to report cards for performance, bundled payments, braided payments. There's a lot of different creative ways to align incentives across uh, the care continuum. I definitely see refinement of those relationships to make sure that we are really addressing 
the problems that we're trying to solve and uh, not creating unintended consequences that come from having contractual relationships that are not well thought out. That's fantastic. So if someone was to reach you now, what was the best way for any of the audience members to, to contact you? And what would get you out of bed to actually work with someone? <laughs> I am available through LinkedIn. I think that's probably the best way to get in touch with me right now. And I would be really excited to talk to anyone who is looking for kind of getting to that next level of how do we make sure that we are solving the right problems for the right reasons and getting the right results from the solutions that we're putting in place. But that's great, Gretchen, because uh, this podcast is actually sponsored uh, by Marche Health, which is the world's largest digital health marketplace and community, right? And so you have all the startups that are there as incubator space. And we'll also have a link to the podcast with your contact information there to make sure that you know any of the startups in the space could reach out to you. Definitely, of course, I think you have a wealth of knowledge on this. And I know we run out of time today, but I would love to also bring you back for part two, if you're available. Uh, very soon. That'd be fantastic. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Gretchen. And it was great having you. And I'll be in touch. Thank you for listening to Bite the Orange. If you want to change healthcare with us, please contact us at info at emmanuelfobu.com or you can visit us at emmanuelfobu.com or biteorange.com. If you like this episode and want more information about us, you can also visit us at emmanuelfobu.com. Thank you.